0: Today's show is brought to you by Audible. And please visit audiblepodcast.com slash escape pod for your free audiobook download. Escape Pod 260 September thirtieth, two 2010 The Spain of Dreams by Will Ludwigsen.
1: Hello, and welcome to Escape Pod, your weekly science fiction podcast. I'm Norm Sherman. This week on the show, dreams. Not the empty saccharine type that come true in Disney dogma merely by believing hard enough, but the kind that occur in REM sleep, the final, deepest stage of the sleep cycle, the kind had by all humans and animals alike, the kind that Leonardo DiCaprio invades with a Brooks Brothers suit and far, far too much exposition. The average human has between three to five dreams a night, which account for about two of those eight recommended hours that we all get. <laughs> eight hours. The content and purpose of dreams are not fully understood, and that, of course, means that the subject is fertile speculative fiction ground. Noted Austrian psychologist Alfred Adler believed that dreams are problem solving devices that need to be brought to the conscious and interpreted to shed light on our problems. According to that old wingnut Freud, dreams are our disturbing and harmful subconscious urges in disguised form, our id's way of getting around the superego through freaky symbolic language. And of course, according to Neil Gaiman, there are what a coven of wizards accidentally gets when you try to take death captive. Clearly, opinions differ on the matter, and clearly, more research into the matter is needed. Which brings us to this week's story, The Speed of Dreams, by Will Ludwigson. Will writes science fiction, fantasy, and horror from his home in Jacksonville, Florida. You can keep up with his work and daily ramblings at www.willludwigson.com. The Speed of Dreams first appeared in the March 2010 issue of Asimov Science Fiction. Will says that this story is dedicated to two special people, his great-aunt Flora, who died with Alzheimer's several years ago, and his greyhound Patty, who died on May 22nd of this year. He hopes that their appearances in the story and broadcast will help keep their memory alive. We hope so too, Will. The story is read to you by Escape Pod's dom, the lovely Murr Lafferty. So get out your timers and logbooks, because it's story time.
0: The Speed of Dreams by Will Ludwigson Page Sumner Eighth Grade Science Fair Paper Draft Introduction It happens all the time. You're sitting in class, listening the best you can, while Mr. Waters goes on and on about atoms or sound waves or whatever, when suddenly you fall asleep. Your head lulls against your shoulder and some drool oozes from the side of your mouth. Luckily, Missy Woo kicks you in the knee to wake you up before someone notices, like Mr. Waters, or worse, Austin. What's weird is that in those few minutes of sleeping, you dream like hours of stuff. You're all hanging out or playing basketball or walking the mall while everyone else is slowly raising their hands and taking notes. They all get 24 hours that day, but you get a little extra. But how much extra? Investigative question. How much time can you fit in a dream? Hypothesis. Time in a dream moves faster than time in real life, so you live more there. How much more is proportional to real-world time? Method. Unfortunately, Mr. Waters says there's no way to measure time in our dreams. Since the whole idea of my project is that time is subjective, he says nobody could compare or repeat my results in relation to the real world. That's where Patty comes in. Patty's our dog, a retired racing greyhound. Her name used to be Patriot back a few years ago, when all the bald, sweaty men at the racetrack used to bet on how fast she could run. She had to retire because she was a bumper, so competitive that she'd knock the other dogs in the race against the walls. "'She never bit them or anything, just shoved them. "'Like they shouldn't even be in her race, you know? "'Like they weren't even there. "'Even though she's supposedly retired, Patty still likes to run. "'She's fast for an eight-year-old, too. "'When she sees squirrels or rabbits in our yard, "'she peels out after them in a big counterclockwise circle. "'I guess habits are hard to break. "'She caught a bunny once and swallowed it whole, "'her jaws clomping together as the poor thing slid down her throat. "'We saw the little eroded bones in her poop.' Patty loves to run so much that she does it in her sleep. After I brush my teeth and crawl into bed, she jumps in too and flops down next to me, sometimes teetering over like a tree and sighing. Then in the middle of the night, she'll dream about running and kick me awake with her twitching legs. She'll be breathing all heavy, snorting through her nose and sputtering her lips. She usually does it for a few seconds and then goes back to sleep. Now, it turns out that she used to race back down at the Orange Park Kennel Club on their quarter-mile oval. The greyhound rescue people gave us her records, and her specialty was the 5 mile race, which she usually finished in about 32 seconds. I know because I added them all together and averaged them. Lots of dogs run in their sleep, but only greyhounds like Patty probably do it for a fixed length of time, right? She spent her whole life running the same stupid race over and over again, chasing that stick as it swung around the track. If anything stuck in her head enough to dream about night after night, it'd be that race. So there's my basis of comparison. Procedure. I will measure the proportion of dream time scrunch by doing the following. 1. Let Patty sleep, staying awake to watch her. 2. When her legs start kicking, start the timer. 3. When her legs stop, stop the timer. 4. Write down the number of seconds. 5. Repeat a bunch of times. 6. Get the average time it takes her to run a 32-second race in her sleep. 7. Divide that average sleep race time into 32 to get a proportion. Assumptions. Because Mom made me take the dummy version of science this year so I wouldn't get... All stressed, like last year, my assumptions are probably stupid. But then I'm only 13, and a girl with plenty of time to become a swan, as my mom likes to say. My assumptions, dumb as they probably are. 1. Patty is running a standard race that takes her the usual 32 seconds, and not some magical fantasy race that she wins in like 10 seconds. 2. Patty's legs start twitching when the race starts, and stop when it stops, and she isn't flying or teleporting for any of it. 3. The amount of time scrunchable into a dream is always the same proportion. Patty doesn't dream some races faster than others. 4. Dogs and humans have the same time scrunch proportion. 5. Mr. Waters won't be mad when I hand in this project instead of the model of the solar system he signed off on. Results. Experiment 1. February 4th, 9.04 p.m. When Patty started to twitch, I was trying to get Lisa and Austin back together. I know, stupid. An instant messenger. I couldn't reach the stopwatch in time, so I didn't get any data. I did get them back together, even though Lisa is only really in love with herself like everybody else is. Experiment 2. February 5th, 3.28 a.m. Patty started kicking like crazy, waking me up. Luckily, I was sleeping with a stopwatch loop around my wrist, and I clicked it right after she started. She huffed and snorted, peeling back her lips from her teeth. Then, after 6.21 seconds, her legs slowed and stopped. I wrote down the time on my algebra book cover and went back to sleep. Now that I'm awake, though, I wonder if I dreamed that she was dreaming, and the stopwatch was just measuring scrunch time in my dream. Drat. Experiment 3. February 6th, 7.31 p.m. It was my turn to help with Nana, so I had Patty come in to help. Nana's my grandmother, and she sleeps even more these days than Patty does, and sometimes twitches into her sleep the same way. When I was spooning Nana's oatmeal between her lips, Patty started kicking under her hospital bed, which made Nana's pills go flying all over. I put down the jar and timed her at 5.2 seconds. Then I timed how long it takes to put down a jar a bunch of times, and got an average of 2 seconds, so that counts as 7.2. It took me forty five seconds to pick up all the pills, but that has nothing to do with anything. Experiment four, february ninth, eleven forty four p m. Patty kicked for six point seven three seconds. She also yelped, but not an angry yelp, more like a kick ass, you want a piece of this kind of yelp. Nana must have heard her back in the guest bedroom because she kind of moaned at the same time. Maybe they were running together in their sleep. Experiment five. February 11th, 11.44 p.m. Patty kicked for 6.73 seconds, and it squicked me out a little that she did it at exactly the same time as before. Experiment 6, February 12th, 12.14 p.m. Austin came over, and we sat on my old swing set, waiting for Patty to fall asleep on the grass. When she finally did, he let me take his hand and use his fancy running watch to time her for 6.88 seconds, which means we were holding hands for almost 10 seconds. He smelled like soap. Experiment 7, February 13th, 2.20 a.m. Patty and I were under the blanket, reading that note from Austin again with the flashlight. Well, I was reading the note. She's a dog. I'd just got into the best part about him wanting secretly to go with me to the dance, but he couldn't break up with Lisa until after she'd finished the basketball season when Patty started to dream. I clicked the stopwatch, and she stopped after 7.1 seconds. Then I read the part about my eyes again. Experiment 8, February 14th, 5.39 p.m. Patty was laying on top of my dress for the dance when she started running again in her sleep, swooshing it under her legs. I couldn't stop her because Mom was standing there all blah 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 to me about wearing her makeup. Good thing there was a clock over her shoulder so I could see that Patty wriggled for seven seconds. Mom went on longer, but she stopped when Missy's mom came to drive me and Missy to the dance. Experiment 9, February 15th, one fifty-one a.m. I'd fallen asleep in that stupid dress when Patty started dreaming. I grabbed the stupid timer and watched it for the time it took her to finish the stupid race, 6.34 seconds, which happens to be about the same amount of time that Austin even bothered to look at me at the dance when he was all over Lisa like they were going to be married or something. Experiment 10, February 15th, 4.57 a.m. I was still up, mostly just petting Patty and crying, when she ran her second race of the night. I read somewhere that greyhounds could do eight or more races a day, so that wasn't surprising. When she finished after 6.2 seconds, I asked her if she'd won, and she looked at me like, duh, I always win. That must be nice. Conclusions I added up all the race times and got 60.39 seconds. Then I divided them by the number of dreams, 9, for an average of 6.71 seconds each. Significant digits, blah blah blah. Because I only know Patty's real-world race time to the ones digit, I've got to round that to seven. So Patty runs a 32-second race in her sleep in only seven seconds. When I divide 32 by that, I get the proportion. We get 4.5 seconds of dream time for every second of real time. Application. Lately, I've spent a lot of time talking to Nana. I sing to her, tell her what happened at school, read her the dumb jokes from Reader's Digest she used to like. She never wakes up. Sometimes she'll kick like Patty does. I asked Dad if she was ever a runner in the Olympics, and he looked at me like I was crazy and told me no. So I have no idea where she's running or for how long. She doesn't lick her teeth like Patty does, so I'm pretty sure she's not chasing anything she plans to eat. Sometimes I bring in flowers so she can pretend she's in a field. Even if she wasn't in the Olympics, my Nana did a lot of other things. She was born Flora Soner on March 6, 1940, back in Pine Falls, Minnesota. She ran away from home when she was about my age, took a train to Hollywood to be a synchronized swimmer in the movies, and met my grandpa five years later on a trip to San Francisco. They got married a month later. She worked as a waitress, a bartender, a secretary, a census taker, a limousine driver, and even a cop. She went to Mississippi to ride with black people, marched against some war in Washington, and even brought casseroles to hippie kids in hate ashbury She wrote a bunch of poems and songs, a couple of them sung by Jefferson Airplane. I tried to sing them back to her to wake her up, but it didn't work. She showed me how to sew, how to flip an omelette, and how to throw a hatchet into a tree, even though it always took me more tries than her. I wonder if she does that stuff now in her dreams, or if she's doing new and different things, like piloting a spaceship or being a tigress. Whatever she's doing, she doesn't have much time to tell me what to do better here, that's for sure. If I were a tigress, I'd be too busy, too. Mom and Dad say she won't live much longer, but they're talking about the real world. Thinking like that, none of us lives very long, right? But you get 4.5 times as much life sleeping as you do being awake. That's four times the chances to get things right, like the lives Mario gets if you don't make a jump. You can probably even do different things, like be a ballerina in one, the president in another, Lara Ingalls in the next, and a dolphin in the fourth. All while everyone else is just getting one stupid life. So no wonder Nana is stretching out her life like lots of old people do at the end. We think it's a coma, but really, it's a dream. One where you're doing all sorts of cool stuff you want, like winning every race and catching the rabbit, hanging out with Jefferson Airplane, and getting to dance with Austin. Maybe with four times the number of tries, I can do all those cool things, too. Experiment 11, February 27th, 11.09pm. 1. Take the rest of Nana's pills so I can catch up. Two, write down when I start falling asleep. Three, live four cooler lives, hanging out with Nana. If we need money, we'll visit Patty's dreams and bet on her. Four, wake up and write down all the big courageous things I did.
1: Whoa, love that ending. Disclaimer time. Escape Pod does not endorse or encourage the recreational use of Nana's pills with numerous shots of tequila. Kids do not try this at home on an empty stomach. Side effects may include dependency. You,
2: you really are taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those. I need them back. I have to sing.
1: Excitability.
2: I'm
1: so excited. I'm so excited. And career crippling box office bombing NC-17 films. Ever wonder when you see that little paw twitch, or hear that little grunt, what your beloved pet is dreaming? What if we could get inside there and see for ourselves? You create the world of the dream, you bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their subconscious. Yeah, right, whatever. So then tell me, Paige, how did we end up here? Well, we were just at the dance, and Austin was being a total douchebag, and, um... Think about it, Paige, where are you now? Oh my god, we're in my dream? Not quite. We're in Patty's dream. Jesus Christ! Wait, why is Patty wearing a power tie and breastfeeding a baby rabbit? Cause Freud was right. What? You humans want a piece of this? Yep. When they start offering you dog milk, you know the subconscious has noticed you. It's time to get out of there. But before you go, let's check out some story feedback with assistant regional manager Bill Peters.
0: Hey guys, this is Murr, your editor. Before Bill gets to feedback, I do want to mention that we do have a sponsor this week and that is Audible.com the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming. Just like a podcast, you can listen to whenever and wherever you want. It has over 1,000 science and technology and over 1,100 science fiction and fantasy titles. If you sign up for a free trial today, you will get a free audiobook download. Now, I'm an Audible customer and I have to tell you that I just finished The Alchemist and the Executionist by Palabachigalupi and Tobias Buckell, two very awesome science fiction writers who wrote two novellas to be sold together in in one book. We enter a world where the use of magic happens to bring along the growth of a plant that slowly is swallowing the country. Therefore, magic is outlawed, and if you do magic, then perhaps something extremely bloody will happen to you. They're two different stories, same world fantastic narration. I can't recommend this highly enough. So please check out audiblepodcast.com slash escape pod and download The Alchemist and the Executionist or whatever other free audiobook you would like today. Hey,
2: before I get to the feedback for episode 252 billion dollar view, I need to make a quick announcement. The stories that were chosen as honorable mentions for the FlashCon the three win or uh mentioners are Many Mistakes, All Out of Order, by Matthew Wagner, Episode 37, Captain Max Stone vs. Destructobot, by Angela Lee, and Mr. Omega, by Arnold Gardner. Congratulations to all of them, and honestly it was a really painful process for us to do winnowing down of all the great stories instead of you guys doing the voting. But back to the feedback which is for Ray Tabler's Heinlein-esque man-versus-void tale of space mining that had people quite commonly recalling Tom Godwin's 1957 story, The Cold Equations, and that was read for us by John Smigdon Smarr. The story was fairly well-liked, though faulted on a lack of character development, and perhaps by recalling some of the less forgivable flaws of the Golden Age. Blue-Eyed Devil said, It was a sweet story, though I would have liked it to be a bit longer. I appreciate that the point of this story style is to evoke cultural detail with just a few brushstrokes, but I think the story could have afforded one or two more details. R.C. Davidson said, It was refreshing to hear a story that was well thought out technically. Too often stories set in space ignore the realities of living and working in, in the void. Joe Fitz said, I don't think it was the maudlin yet somewhat poignant story of the minors, but rather the frame story that bothered me most. I also have to say that I was less impressed with the outcome. Maybe it's just a cold morning and I don't have any children, but it seems to me you you can always have more children. In a survival situation like that, emotionally, it feels right to sacrifice yourself to save the children. But I have to wonder if it wouldn't make more sense in a deep." cold space to choose the parent that would be an interesting story and that's it for this week tune in next week for the feedback for episode 253 eugene there you
1: go thanks bill so here's another disclaimer escape pod is a production of escape artists incorporated and it's distributed under creative Commons attribution on commercial no derivatives license which means you can burn it rip it dream about it share it across the internet pretty much anything but change it or sell it You can help the show out tremendously by donating to us via the support options off our website, www.escapepod.org. The good times don't stop here, folks. Check out our sister podcasts, PodCastle for Fantasy and Pseudopod for Horror. Our opening music is by Daikaiju. Check them out at daikaiju.com. And our closing quote this week is from, of course, Jefferson Airplane, in honor of Man's Best Friend. Lyrics from the song, My Best Friend. I'll follow your dream. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll follow you wherever time will take me to. Forever I'll be one with you, one with you, one with you.